Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We are continuing a series called Restart. Everybody say restart. Come on like you mean it. You got Red Bull in you. Say restart. All right, yeah, we're excited because we want this year to be better than last year. Even if last year was good, I'd like it to be just a little bit better. And so uh, we're going to start really talking about last week we started this series called Restart because uh, oftentimes we can look at what happened last year and feel like, man, that might happen this year again. Or we don't want to get stuck in the same you know, cycle or the same issue over and over and over again. And oftentimes it's really the little things that we need to do or maybe address or look at out over, over small periods of time so that we can get better and have a, a better year this year. And so you and I want to make a difference, and that's our goal in life. And so we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 today, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And if you're a guest with us for the very first time, man, I'm so honored that you're here uh, uh, at Rise and uh, just be a part of our sermon series uh, or our message series. We teach in sermon series format, which means that we pick a topic and we talk about it for about three or four weeks, and then we move on because, well, I got really short attention span. And so, uh, and since I'm the pastor, we got to move on. So it just is what it is. And so if you're like me, you're in a good place. If you want to stay in something for 52 weeks, well, this ain't the right place for you. So anyway, um, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Before we get there, uh, I want to give you some context to kind of what we had talked about. Last week, we talked about really how to have a restart in general inside of our entire life. Like God has a formula, God has a way, God has a plan of how you and I really go to him to restart our life. And the keys to that was really found in two things. Number one, you and I need to know God, which means we need to know God. Like know God, not know about God. We need to know God for ourselves so that when he calls our name, we know his voice or, or vice versa. We have a relationship with God enough to know that he knows us and we know him. We need to know God all restarting, whether it's in your spiritual life, in your physical life, in your financial life, whatever parts of categories of life that you have to restart there, you need to know God. Second thing was, is you need to hold to him. You need to hold to Jesus, hold on to him, hold on to who God is. Because if you don't do that, man, it's not just faith in God, it's faith It's faith without works is dead, so it's faith with works. It's not works to get our salvation, but it is working out some of the things that God has for us and that God has away. And so last week we talked about if you want to have a restart, we need to both know God, we need to hold to him. And uh, this week we're going to talk about one specific context uh, that we want to restart, and that's going to be in our relationships. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is uh, written by a man named Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Solomon's an interesting character. So last week, we kind of opened up scriptures and we learned about David, King David, the David, and we learned about him a little bit. This week, we're going to learn about his son. King David has a son, and his son's name is Solomon. And Solomon's a unique character in scripture. He actually built the first temple. You kind of hear about temples and back then and during the days of Jesus, or actually during the days of the Old Testament, this is before Jesus, there was temples, and uh, he built the first, what they call the first temple for the Jewish people. And so he, it was incredible, and you can go back and read about it. It was like the most incredible spectacle you could ever think, uh, ever seen. And he, he was the one who actually uh, built, built the temple. Um, he, but one of the, probably the most interesting things about Solomon is that he's known as the wisest and richest ever. And they tell a story in 1 Kings, that's a book in the Bible, it's actually called 1 Kings, inside of the Old Testament. If you go back and look at it, there's a story that tells of Solomon having a conversation with God, and God actually asks him what he wants in life. Isn't that interesting? Like, wouldn't you want to have that conversation with God? Like, I wish God would ask me right now what I would want. I got a few things I want. I got a list. Like, I I got a list for things I want, some things I need to happen with some people that have wronged me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's a lot of things that, you know, you and I would probably ask God. And so literally God asked Solomon, 
for what he would want. And Solomon does something crazy, so crazy that it catches God's attention. Solomon asks God, not for riches, Solomon asks God for wisdom. And the Bible says that, that God is actually not surprised because you can't surprise God. It's kind of weird when you can't surprise God. But God is kind of so impressed that Solomon would ask for wisdom. He actually gives Solomon both wisdom and riches. And the Bible goes on to describe Solomon as going to be the wisest and richest man to have ever lived and will ever live. So Solomon, this is who's writing this book. So the reason I tell you all that context is because I hate going to churches and you start reading scripture and you don't know what the heck's going on. I want to know what the heck's going on. There's actual words that matter here. And I want you to understand that who's writing this book, Ecclesiastes, is incredibly wise. And the wisdom comes from God. So he says this. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. Ever say alone? And he said, he had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself from enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. So Solomon, pause real quick, pause, push the pause button. Solomon says this, he says, it's not riches or wealth that actually bring you happiness, bring you joy, bring you enjoyment. In fact, it's people, everybody say people, it's people, it's connection, it's relationship that actually brings you your joy. And he goes on to say in verse 9, he says, two are better than one. Well, you and I know that for most part of our lives, but we don't live like that. So he goes on to say, because they have no, they have good return. So two are better than one because it brings good return. We're going to come back to that good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and no one has them to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Verse 12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You and I need to know that in 2019, if you want to make a difference, you want to do something for God, you and I are going to need to restart some things in our life. And we're going to have to start, really the restart for most of us is going to have to be the restart in our relationships. That you and I need to restart some of our relationships. Because if you were to look at your relationship right now, and we were like, put them all on this board and put them up on the screens and put like a whiteboard. Here's all the people that you connect with on a relational basis. You and I will probably not be so happy. And oftentimes we know the people we shouldn't be hanging out with, and we know the people we should be hanging out with, we know the people we should be connected with, we should be relationally connected with, but yet, but yet, we don't do it. And so uh, in the time I have today, I'm going to talk to you a little about how to restart your relationships. If you're taking notes, that's the, that's the title of my message today, how to restart your relationships. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we just love you, God. Thank you that you've ultimately showed us what, how to be relationally connected. You showed us what it was like to be a follower of you, and that means we do life together. We do life. We are better together. And so, God, I pray that today you would just reveal something to us. Maybe we haven't seen. God, maybe we haven't heard. God, take these words and transform them for the hearts of the people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. You know, I find it interesting. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And, um, and what's interesting about being a youth pastor is that you can kind of see the generations come up. You can see the different types of generations that come throughout time, and oftentimes they have different quirks or different unique uh, realities to the way that they live. But I would say probably one of the biggest um, realities or maybe the biggest struggles that our young people and us, honestly, struggle with right now in our culture is being connected. And here's why. Because oftentimes our culture is teaching us a form of connection that is not real. Because so much of us are always trying to look at like, hey man, what does social media say and how connected are we on the social media or maybe on internet or maybe through our jobs or through connections with other people. But the problem is, is that we actually don't connect 
on a regular basis. Most studies nowadays, most you can look at anything. I mean, you look at any, any major study that, that looks at maybe the sociological aspect of our culture and people, that this is the, we have the, not the all-time historical high rates of anxiety, it only, and it's only going up. All-time high historical rates of depression, and it's only going up. All-time high historical rates of suicides and feeling lonely and lost, and just these areas where all of it's connected to this one idea that you and I struggle with human relational connection. That oftentimes we trade the, fa- the fake or the false for the, the real. That you and I count likes as connection on Facebook when it's really not. I find it interesting. I was talking with a teenager the other day and I couldn't, it was funny because like before, you know, back in the day when you wanted to connect with someone, I say back in the day, I'm you know, 34, but it's like back in the day, you know, <laughs> back in the nineties. Anyway, no, but like back in the day, but the truth is, is like time and culture is connected really, really is actually moving faster than it ever has. And before, you know, when you wanted to connect with someone, you know what you did? You, you got into your car. Do you remember that? And then you drove to the house And then you did this weird thing. You knocked on the door and you had this awkward old-timey statement, this word that y'all never heard. It was an actual conversation where you like looked at someone in the eyes. I know it sounds crazy, but like you actually sat down and for you in order for you to connect with someone, you actually connected. You 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 connected with someone. And those days are seemingly getting smaller and smaller, maybe gone, you know, for, for most parts of our life. But you know, what I found interesting is that most people that I know that have made any difference in the world, most people who have done anything significant, whether it's for God or in this world, they never did it alone. They never did it alone. Most people, and even if they say they did it alone, they, they're lying. They're liars. Like, you're lying. You didn't get there alone. And most of us forget that really the greatest people in the world, anybody who's ever did anything of significance, did it with someone. I mean, right? Come on. Cisco had Ebert, right? Bert had Ernie. Come on. Right? I mean, Jordan had Pippin, right? Lone Ranger had Tonto. Come on. We, great people all throughout our society and all throughout history did it with someone. Even in the Bible, you know, Ruth had Naomi. Uh, you know, Abraham had Lot. There's some great friendships in the Bible. Jonathan had David. Uh, you know, Paul had even Timothy. And there are so many great things that we miss out on when we take our, even our personality type or, or how we were raised, um, and it keeps us from really relationally connecting with others. Because you in here might be in right now and feel like, look, that's not my personality. Sorry. Like, I'm just not that guy. Being around people drains me. Raise your hand if you're that person. Like, it's honest. It's just your personality. That's okay. That's how God created you that way. So, okay, man, I just, being around people, that just sucks the life out of me. This message is killing me, pastor. Let's talk about something else. Like, you're trying to move on, you know. Uh, Some of you in here might have had a relational issue with someone. Maybe there's something in your past. Maybe you gave your heart to someone, a friend of yours. Maybe there was some best friend who who hugged you with a knife, right? You know, they, 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 they stabbed you in the back and they didn't. They maybe, they, they maybe they meant it. Maybe they didn't mean it. But that regardless of, of what it was, that relational issue and that pr- part of history in your life has kept you from this value that God wants you to have inside of your life. And I always tell people that it's always been a, um, maybe the hardest thing as a pastor is to teach people to open up after betrayal. Maybe the hardest thing as a leader is to open up for, for people who have been hurt. And I don't want to minimize or devalue your pain but your pain is not who you are. Pain is, is something that happened in your life. And oftentimes we walk around with that pain and we keep it in our life. And it's keeping us from what God has called us to do. 
Be careful you don't walk around with your pain and your issues and all the issues and the worries and the hurts of your world because it'll keep you from what God's trying to create you to do. I've noticed even with our church, you know, I've, one of the best things that I love about our church is that it's not built on one person. It's not built on me. This is an Aaron church. You're not my people. This is not my church. This is God's church. This is your God's people. I'm just the chief steward of it. All that means is I get all the blame. All that means is that I get to look around and point to all the people. There were, do you know this? There were 70-something people in here at 7 o'clock this morning putting all this stuff together, getting everything perfect and ready, making sure your coffee was hot, making sure that there was stuff at the information center, making sure the lights turned on, making sure the worship team, come on, the worship team was killing it today. They were doing like great. So the worship team is doing great. And then there's parking lot people out there, and they're making sure that the parking lot's great for you, and they're picking up trash, and there's things going on, and there's all these people doing it. Why? Because church is not built on a man. It's not built on me. This is not me. I always tell people, you know, this is kind of a statement. I always tell people when they come up and they say, Pastor, you're, man, you're doing, you're just amazing. And I go, my statement to them is more than likely is, is like, well, you know, anytime you ever see a turtle on a fence post, know that they didn't get them there themselves. I'm the turtle. I'm propped up by a lot of good people who sacrifice and give a lot to make this place a place where you can walk in here and do something great. But the point is, is I didn't do it alone. That God's doing something great here in this church. We're growing at a rate that's almost unheard of, and I can't really even control. Or And I just, you know what I get up and I pray more and more? It's like, God, please don't let me ruin this. <laughs> Keep me out of the way of this. Whatever you're doing here, God, just make sure I don't screw it up. And then you know the way that I do that? Relational connection. Making sure it's not about me, making sure it's about us. This church is more about you than it ever is about me. Why? Because God's doing something through you. And so God's trying to teach us, we, that for us to have a good return, the Bible talks about, right? So like, you know, two are better than one. So to have good return, good return for us is to make a difference. You and I didn't wake up this morning. No one in the history of the world woke up this morning and said, hey, I would like to do nothing today. I would, I, 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 God, don't fulfill the desires of my heart. God, I don't want to make a difference today at all. I don't want this world to get better because I lived in it. No one wakes up like that. Everyone wakes up with the desire in their heart to do something for God, to do something for themselves, to make a difference. No one wants to get to the end of their life and go, man, man, I, you know, I, there was a lot I could have done, but I'm glad I didn't. You know, I just didn't do anything. It's awesome. Like, let's celebrate me. Yay. You know, and you're by yourself because you didn't do nothing. No one wakes up like that. God has wanting us to be connected. Now, why is that? Here's why. Here's the ultimate reason. You need to know that you and I, now, you need to hear this, okay? This is for those of you who have a personality, maybe not like Ron people, or maybe you've been through something. This is why you need to know this. God designed you to be connected. I'm going to say it again because you missed it and you're looking at something else. God designed you to be connected. I'm, I'm going to say it again until everybody says amen. God designed you to be connected. Amen. You are a good church, man. I'm telling you. I'm preaching good or something. So, you know. But you, it's the truth is you were designed to be connected. Your heavenly father created you and he designed you and you were designed to be connected to other people. I was the other day, I was driving, we were in Utah and I was driving through a part of Utah where like there was no nothing. There was nothing. I used to drive around there, nothing, just dirt everywhere. And so um, I, was, I was driving, I picked up my phone and I went to use my phone and my phone at the top of my phone said the worst thing that could ever say. And it said, uh, no signal, right? Y'all ever had that happen to you? Anybody? If you, you know, you guys use T-Mobile, you have it all the time. So anyway, so, but, but 
so they, they, uh, they're like, I work for T-Mobile. That's okay. Um, uh, so, but, but I was going to use my phone and it said not connected. Now, here's what I find interesting about my phone when it's not connected. I opened up my Google web browser because I was wanting to Google something. Didn't work. I'm like, man. I'm like, so then I opened up my, uh, my, uh, my social media and I'm like, oh, it didn't work. I'm like, man. All right. So then I opened up my music player and guess what happened? It didn't work, you know? I'm like, oh, man. I opened up my phone. You actually used my phone to be a phone. So I opened up my phone and it didn't work. And I'm like, man, this thing ain't, you know, I threw my phone. I'm like, this is trash. It's not, it doesn't work, you know? It's not working. This thing ain't working. And, and my wife was like, well, you're, my wife, she's, you know, she goes, honey, it's just not connected. And, I, and it dawned on me. I'm like, the engineers, the people who created it, Come on, the people who designed it didn't design it to not be connected. It fulfills its purpose when it's connected. It actually fulfills its Christmas destiny. <laughs> when it's connected, so that why? So that it could be used and worked and used properly. If not connected, it's a glorified paperweight similar to Android when it is connected, okay? <laughs> I was just kidding. They can't tell on the podcast. I'm shaking my head. Anyway, so, but the, the phone was designed, the engineers designed this thing to be connected. You and I, God created you. God's your creator. He designed you to be connected. So therefore, if this phone is, works at limited, listen, limited capacity or lost connection mode, it's limited in what it can do. It's limited and it doesn't fulfill its purpose. You and I, when we're not connected to other people, like-minded individuals, people we're trying to connect with inside the world, and you fall into the trap of my personality, you fall into the trap of my past. Pastor, you don't know what happened to me when I got connected. No, I know what happened to you. I just know the God that you serve can actually renew, can actually restart, can actually do something fresh in your life, and you are not, you are, the Bible actually says you are a new creation in Christ. So you can actually not be your personality type. That's okay if you're your personality, but you can actually step out of your personality, and then, and then, and then, guess what? Then you can get connected then. Why? For the purpose, for the purpose of, of fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling your Christmas destiny. It was Christmas. I just had it in my heart. So anyway, so that the goal, the goal is for us to be connected. You were designed. I find it interesting. Genesis chapter two tells the story, the account of, of creation. You know, God creates everything. So it's just spoiler alert. God created everything. So like God creates everything and then he creates man and he looks at it and he does this weird thing. And, and wives, you're going to, this will make total sense to you. Like, this makes sense to you more than anything in the Bible. My wife tells me this all the time. Like, she, she reads this, she goes, every time she reads this in Genesis chapter 2, she says, amen. She, like, screams it in the house. Because this makes sense to you. Because the Bible says that God makes man, and he looks at him, and he says this crazy statement to me, but it's not to you, ladies. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, again, this makes sense to you. That's why when you left the grocery store, your husband bought a boat. 
That's why he went to the garage and started creating stuff. He could have started destroying things. You left for five minutes. You came back, and your husband, the house, was in shambles. And I always laugh at my wife when she leaves me and stuff like that happens. I go, that's your fault. You shouldn't have left me. The Bible says it's not good for me to be alone. You left. This happened. I'm sorry. What was I supposed to do? Why? Because it's not good for, for, for man to be alone. Even Jesus, you know, when he was on this, this earth, when he sent out his disciples, those who were doing his ministry with him, he sent them out not one by one. He sent them out what? What did he send them out? Two by, by two. Yeah, absolutely. Even Jesus' closest friend, God. Okay, God comes down on earth, wraps himself in flesh. This is God on earth. Jesus is walking around. He needs nothing, and yet he makes a decision to live his life with 12 followers. 12 disciples, 12 friends, 12 brothers, 12 connections. And then even inside the connections, he has three that he's close, Peter, James, and John. And then the Bible says that he even has a favorite, John, the one that Jesus loved. People talk to me all the time. They're like, Jesus doesn't play favorites. I'm like, you don't read your Bible. Yes, he does. <laughs> People are like, you know, I don't have a favorite kid. I'm like, well, if Jesus had a favorite friend, I'm just, I'm trying to connect the two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, don't be, I'm just Y'all can smile in church, all right? Y'all, you ever go to another church where, like, you, uh, you know, and it's not, you know, I'm not hating on church. I love church. I go to a lot of church. I actually like to go to churches, especially when I'm on vacation. I try to try other churches out because I never get a chance to see them, you know. And, but I always find it funny. That it's like, man, why do you go? Well, never go to a, a churches that don't smile with people that don't smile. You ever walk around like they're Christians, they're mad, they got like a lemon in their mouth? Mm. Like, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, he's great. I don't want to be a Christian. <laughs> if you're not a happy person, please don't tell people you're Christians, okay? You're ruining it for all of us. But um, I don't even know why I said that. Oh, anyway, yeah, so we're called. We're called and we're designed to be connected. I want to read something in Hebrews. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. What will provoke us to love and good deeds? What will do it? What's going to be the thing that provokes us to love and good deeds? He says, not giving up on meeting together. This is important. Church is important. Getting around connections and like-minded individuals is important. Being around spiritual family is important. If you're a guest in here, you're not a visitor, you're a guest. Guess what? You are one step away from family. Come on. Come on. That ain't normal in churches. That ain't normal in churches. That ain't normal in families. That ain't normal in culture. That ain't normal in your job. That ain't normal in your school. You're in a place that Jesus died for. Come on. The local church, the hope of the world, the God, the, the God that is in us, that Jesus, the hope of glory. We are the hope that God, Jesus in us, is the hope of the world. God doing something through us. We are connected, and that will be the love and good deeds. I like that song, like, what the world needs now is. Yeah, it's okay. You could sing in church. It's all right. <laughs> we sang a secular song in church. Okay, you're all right. Jesus knows your heart. But anyway, the way the world need the way the world will know love is when we're connected. We don't give up on connecting and being with people. So in the time I have left, I'm going to share with you three relationships to restart your 2019 with. Three relationships that you should 2019 start restart your 2019 with. You need you in your life. There's so much inside of us for the year. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to buy for your time. They're going to try to buy your time. They're going to try to get in your life. And I'm just going to tell you, not all relationships are created equal. And if you have relationships in your life, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It'll be the mantra of our church. Not all, relation, all relationships are conditional. Love is con- unconditional. 
But you need to have relationships, need to be conditional in your life. Well, they're family. Nope, sorry. They need to meet certain conditions to allow them to be in your life. Well, they're my friends. Nope, they need to be certain conditions to fit in your life. The, one of, some of the biggest errors we make as Christians is we think that we need to let everybody have equal access into our life. That is so not biblical and so not Christian. That's not. That's unsafe. You're giving yourself and your family permission to be hurt by people who didn't need to hurt them. And so we get into these, these contexts sometimes where we feel like, oh, I'm going to be Christian and loving. Christian and loving doesn't mean you need to let everybody in your life. Relationships are very conditional, and a lot of us need to make sure that we prioritize the certain types of relationships in our life so that we can attain and reach what God has for us. That's good. That's good. I'll even myself. Amen. All right, so first relationship we need to restart our 2019 with, first type of relationship is this, uh, is uh, those who inspire you to be better. Each of us need to have a relationship in our life that inspires us to be better. Look back at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, if either, of one, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls, and no one is there to help them. Everybody say that when they ever say up. Come on, say it. I say it one more time. Say up. Up. Hey, up. Yeah, you need to have people and friends and relationships in your life that are going to help you up. It's very easy to find the people that can pull you down. It's very easy to find the people that walk around and they're just like, they're just mopey and they're sad and life is terrible and they're just terrible. They all bring you down. Just like that Eeyore spirit, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the Eeyore spirit people where you walk up to them, you're walking up, man, and life could be great. They could have won a million dollars and you're walking up and they're like, you won a million dollars. And they're like, yeah, I know. I still got to pay taxes. <laughs> How you doing today, man? Guys, everything good? Yeah, it's okay. It rained yesterday. And you're just like, dude, what's wrong with you? Do you like to hang out with people like that? No. And so if you're not careful, you get around people who are always down. And God wants us to have people who are inspiring us to be up. I had a, a friend of mine who actually was a pastor in my life, and he got me into ministry. His name was Todd. And um, still talk to him today. I talk to him probably every week today uh, of my life and uh, owe a lot to him. An incredible man of God. But he... he um, he inspires me and inspired me while I was there with him to be better all the time. He inspired me. And you know what? He didn't inspire me by what he told me. He inspired me by how he lived. He inspired me by, not even by how he lived, he inspired me by who he was. And if you're not careful, you can get around people who are actually trying to, like, what's the de-inspire? I was like, de-inspire? Is that a word? Anyway, you know, the opposite of inspire. How about that? And if you're not careful, yeah, uninspire. Is that what it is? Is that I promise you I went to college. So anyway, uh, but, but if you're not careful, you can get around people who are, are just not that person. And you need, you and I, God's called us and designed us that if we fall, God needs to be, see people around us. You're going to fall a lot. There's going to be a lot of moments for you to fall. But if you're not careful, you want to be around people who are going to pick you, come on, pick you up. And, and, you know, for that, Todd was an incredible friend to me. He was an incredible relationship. He still inspires me today. But the whole person, he, he also, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Your purpose is hinged on some of these relationships. Because if I wouldn't have met Todd, this church wouldn't exist. Think about that. If, if I wouldn't have met a man who inspired me to be better, he got me into ministry. He was the one who reminded me of my calling. Showed me what the way. In fact, the Bible talks about it a little bit. In, in Proverbs, he says, As iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That, 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 that you you are not sharp enough by yourself. That you're not as sharp as you need to be unless you find someone who can come alongside you and inspire you to be better. And if you're the wisest person you know, let me just tell you something. You in some trouble. 
I meet some people all the time who walk around that with like a badge of honor. Like I'm the smartest person I know. I'm like, then you're the, to me, you're the dumbest person I know. Seriously. Like you're the most unsafe, dumb person I've ever met. Why would you walk around and talk about how you know everything? Number one, truth is you don't. And number two, if you postured your spirit and your heart like that, you'll never know when you're wrong. And just wait till you fall. You're the smartest person till you fall. You're the smartest person till you're in some trouble. You're the smartest person until you ran into the wall and then you look around for people and you're like, well, I don't know how to get out of this. Well, I thought you knew everything. I thought you knew everything. Why? Because we need somebody to be around us to inspire us to be better. God has called you to do that. God has called to have those people inside of your life. Number two is this. Uh, you need to have a relationship that loves you at all times, loves you at all times. The Bible goes on to say, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Ever say warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I like Solomon there. He's kind of like, I think that's kind of like a jab to me. Like, like it's passive aggressive a little bit. Like passive aggressive much, Solomon? You know, so he's like, two, how, you know, one can, two can keep together warm alone. But how can one lie down to, alone and be warm? Like, duh. Like, I feel like that's what he does when he, that's how I read the Bible anyway. But, it, you know, he's, but what he's saying was, he's saying you need to have some people around you that love you at all times, that are loving to you. I find it interesting. You ever been around somebody who's kind of mean-spirited, not unloving, uncaring, unkind, not Christ-like? They say things like, they use these to describe people. They go, man, that person was cold. They were, they were, they were cold to me. They even have this famous statement where they use a piece of a body part. You know what I'm talking about? They, they say they gave me the, they gave me the what? The, the cold, yeah, the cold shoulder. I'm like, cold shoulder? That's weird. What, they gave you their shoulder and it's cold? I don't understand that. That makes no sense. But they, they use that statement because they, what, what are they saying when they say cold shoulder? They're saying they're being unloving. They're not kind. I don't like them. They don't make me feel safe. They don't make me feel loved. They don't make me feel like they, they care about me. They make me feel cold. The opposite, though, is very true. When someone is loving to you and someone cares about you and someone gives you, the, gives you the love and the care and the honor that you deserve, what do you always say to them? You always say about them, they, always, they make me feel so warm and loving and like, I just want to like just be around them and I, they're just, just so loving and I just want to curl up in their arms and just, like, just like, like a blanket and they're just so warm, you know? Is it just me? Anyway, but I just like, you know, they just, why? Because they're loving People, I had a friend, his name was DeAndre when I was going to uh, university. See, I told you I went to college. And so uh, university, I was in a, um, he was, we were uh, roommates in college. And uh, we were in an apartment. We just got in the apartment. We just moved in. And he brought in one piece of furniture. And it was his old grandmama's, 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 grandmama's coffee table. And it was like so old. It still had glass that had like smoke in it. Y'all don't like, yeah, you ever seen that? Like it's so old. They for, this was before they knew how to like make glass, you know, they just made it. And so it was like old smoky glass and it was real brittle. And I'm like, bro, you bringing this into a college apartment? Are you serious right now? And so he's like, it's all I got. And I'm like, and he's like, but hey, but, but just but please just don't sit on it. Please be careful with it. I said, okay, no problem. The problem was, is that this was back in the day when um, online gaming was just coming out and uh, Halo was kind of the only online game. This was like before Fortnite. Anybody like Fortnite in here? Y'all like, like spend too much time on Fortnite? The Fortnite wouldn't exist if Halo didn't exist. So you're welcome. I invented Fortnite. That's why I try to take credit for it. So anyway, because um, I wasted way too much time and gave Halo, way too much money. So anyway, but back in college, we were playing, on, so you're playing online, and the perfect distance from playing video games was to sit on my friend's coffee table 
And the TV was like, because it was really small. And so anytime he would leave, I would sneak and sit on his coffee table and I would play video games. You guys don't do that, but, but I did stuff like that. And so uh, one time he went to the store and I'm like, bet, it's on, let's go. So I walked in, got in my video game, I sat on the coffee table and I'm playing Halo and I'm awesome because I'm really good at video games. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden he goes for a shorter period of time than I thought he would be gone. And he comes to the door and I'm skittish. I'm kind of a scared, skittish person. You can scare me pretty easily. I, I really can. And my wife knows she scares me all the time. And so it's like, so like I, I, I'm playing the video games and he busts through the door because he forgot something. And I'll say, oh, and I, so I scream, you know, like, oh, like a man. <laughs> I have to, I have to like define that, you know, like I'm like, it's a man, like I scream because I'm really my manly scream. And uh, I, I actually fell back into the coffee table, into the glass. And so when I fell back into the glass, you know when you do when you fall, you, you do this, you go like that, you know, like to catch yourself. And so I did the, you know, the bird fly and I went whoosh like that and I fell back. And when I did that, I broke the rest of the coffee table and it, it just, it splintered like I don't know where I don't know what was keeping this coffee table together. Apparently, it was the glass because it it just shattered and exploded, and the coffee table just went everywhere. And I remember catching myself on the frame of the coffee table, and I was like, "Oh no!" So my friend ran over, picked me up, and I was like, "What do you think?" The first thing I said to him, "Man, I'm so sorry. Like, I am so sorry. I didn't mean it." And he goes, "He goes, stop, 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 stop." He goes, "Are are you okay?" And he starts like checking me. He's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm I'm so I'm so sorry." Please forgive me. Please. Like, I didn't mean, I was, I didn't never mean to break your car. He goes, Aaron, that doesn't matter. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, look. And he, he pointed to a glass shard that was like angled towards my back when I was holding on the frame. And he goes, that's why I ran to pick you up. That table didn't matter. Your life matters. And in that moment, what, what do you think I felt? I felt like covered. I felt like this guy's got my back. He, he loves me. Proverbs says that a friend, a good friend, a friend loves at, at, at all times that you and I need to find the people in our lives that are loving to us. Don't, I'll just say this. I didn't say this to the first service. Please don't undervalue your life by putting terrible people around you that always tear you down and always make you feel cold. If they're cold to you, some people keep friends in their life. They're like, well, I knew them in high school. I, got, I was friends with them in high school, so I got to be friends with them now. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. If I knew how to say that in Spanish, I would. No, you don't. <laughs> Seriously. Like, don't excuse you. You're valuable. You were made by God. Don't cheapen your life by just putting people around you that, that hurt you and make you feel terrible. Put people around you that make you feel warm. And the last one is this, and I'm going to close with this thought. The put, you need to have people who tell you the truth, people who tell you the truth. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A good friend, if you're taking notes, write this down. A good friend will defend you from others. A lot of us look for that. You look for others. The problem is, is a great friend will defend you from you. A good friend will defend you from others. They should. Friends defend you from others. But a, but a great friend, a great, a great friend, will defend you from you. And I talk to some people that be like, well, you know, man, I got friends everywhere just in case I get in a, in a fight in the hood. Like, I, it's all good. I'm like, in the hood? You live in a subdivision. <laughs> in a gated community. With a three-car garage. You ain't going to be in no hood. Talking about a hood. 
You don't need friends to defend you from others. You need friends to defend you from you. You are your own worst enemy, just so you know. Why? Because you can do things that no one will ever know about, that you'll never tell anyone about, that you do in secret, that you are the only person to keep you from doing that. And you need a friend in your life. You need a relationship in your life. You need someone in your life to be like, man, that ain't you. You're better than that. Stop. I'm going to tell you the truth. I had a buddy, his name was Chad growing up. And, uh, you know, he's like my best friend in high school. And anybody ever had that friend you grew up with that like you're, you knew your parents loved them more than they loved you? Like you knew that if they had the choice, they would choose them as their son and not that person. That was Chad. Did anybody else grow up with a friend like that? Like the beloved, all right? And uh, I mean, they just thought he was perfect, and he wasn't. And uh, so one time we were, uh, one time we were, my parents were leaving on a trip. It was going to be the first time I was going to watch the house. And I asked him, I said, hey, can I stay? I don't want to go on the trip. I want to stay home and have, be at home alone. And uh, they were like, well, you can do it if Chad stays with you. And I'm like, whatever. Uh, but I did it because, you know, I could be home alone. So, okay. And uh, so Chad comes over and my mom and dad sit down with us and they say, hey, we want you to uh, do this. Clean, the, clean that room, you know, clean your house, take out the trash, vacuum the floors, you know, wipe down the things. Just keep the house clean until we get back. And I was like, sure. Now, was I going to do that? No. But I thought if I told him yes, then they'd just leave me and I'd have a free vacation. So a couple days into it, we're sitting on the couch and playing video games. I'm realizing now I probably played too many video games in my life. <laughs> All these stories. <laughs> anyway, um, and so we're sitting, we're playing video games, and Chad pauses the game. I'm not kidding you. This is what he does. He pauses the game in the middle of the game, which first makes me mad. And uh, he pauses the game and he goes, you know, Aaron, I'm disappointed in you. Oh, hey. And, uh, and he goes, I- I'm disappointed in you, Aaron. And I go, why? You're my dad. And he goes, I'm disappointed in you. You told your parents that you were going to clean, that you were going to keep the house clean, and you were going to vacuum, and you are going to wipe things down. You told your parents you were going to do that, and, and, and I told my par- your parents that we were going to do that, and I'm just disappointed in you because you're better than that, and you haven't done it at all. And I was like, don't preach at me, bro. You don't know me. You know, I got mad. You know, that's what we do with people who have the courage to tell us the truth. We get mad at them. Isn't that what we do? So silly. So, because I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor, and, uh, you know, I knew the Bible, I did what every good Christian pastor does. We got into a fight, (laughs) and we started wrestling, and I punched him, and he punched me. And uh, we got up, and then after that, we went and played basketball. That's what guys do, okay? (laughs) That's what we did. But I was thinking back on that. I was like, you know, the funny thing is, is that he took, he had courage to tell me the truth. And what's funny was, is as soon as we were done wrestling and playing basketball, we came back, and I cleaned the house. Why? Because he was somebody who was willing to tell me, you're better than that, man. You're better than that. You need to hear the truth. That's not who you are. You're wrong right now, but you can be right. And I want to help. And, hey, I want to help you clean the house. That's a good friend. He says, hey, you can be better. How can I help you be better? How can I help you do that? 
You need these relationships to restart your life in 2019. Some of us need these relationships for the first time. Some of us need to go back and rekindle some of those relationships. And someone asked me the other day, they said, how do you get these people? How do you, how do you get these friends that you seem to find, talk about with all these characteristics? Here's how. You ready? This is the whole point. The way you get these friends is you be these friends. Bible says, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. And oftentimes we go, I wish people would just be my friend. Please be my friend. I'm a nice person. I'm a blast. And like, you, you ain't convincing nobody. And you want all of these in your life, but the problem is, is you don't want to be any of these to anybody. So if you want somebody to inspire you in your life, be somebody that's inspiring to someone else. If you want someone to be warm to you, maybe you're cold right now in your relationships, then you need to learn to be warm to others. Talk about, you don't know my neighbor, Pastor. You don't know your neighbor. You never even talk to them. All you do is call the cops on them every time they have a barbecue. You're that guy. If you want somebody to tell you the truth, be someone that tells somebody the truth. Be those people. If you want a friend, be friendly. Find yourself these relationships in 2019. And at the end of the day, maybe at the end of the year, you could look back and say, man, I took a step to restart my life. No one gets anywhere alone. No one makes a difference alone. You were designed by God to be connected. Be connected this year.